You're listening to Screeners and Dailies, part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Joker, you're saying like, oh yeah, my uncle bought my kids the uh, the Star Wars trilogy, the classic trilogy, and they're loving it. And I just, I don't know much about this Star Wars thing, but like, I don't want to show them the prequels because they look terrible and violent, and the new ones look really violent too. So I'm kind of in the midst of a little, bro- I'm I'm getting started. I don't usually insert myself into these types of things, but I was like, uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. No, I'm sorry. If you can't just say the new ones are too violent and not, you know, write off the fact that, I don't know, dad cuts off kid's hand, you know, and doesn't really care that he nearly falls to his death. So how you doing? How about how about the uh, the pyromania induced death of of uh, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen? I know. I, mean, I know. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad. They get turned into Kentucky Fried Chicken, man. They are done. <laughs> no, when you say that the original trilogy do you you mean like the original trilogy but but the special edition versions right like no no because that's well, what i was confused i guess on. so i mean like let's face it i mean i don't i don't see i don't see an uncle getting like a, a real well you know getting all uppity and going of trying to find you know the classic the VHS or something like that or like know. i did yeah i mean <laughs> i mean i mean the thing is man like you can special edition those things they're still violent like and they're still dark oh they are things. very violent. there's dark things mm-hmm. well then again i mean look I just come down to it like I'm a parent. I'm gonna have those conversations with my kid. You know, like it when it comes time and he wants to ask questions. Look, man, we're gonna be getting into some like when you have to explain like it's gonna be dark times, hey, baby. Hey, dark when, times. When Wyatt comes up to me, he's like, "Hey, mom's got." Or I have a grandfather over here. Where's my other one? Well, just why don't you sit down? Oh Jesus! Why don't we have oh, a talk? Boy. But I mean, like, I mean, that's the part of the fun. Part I know of you're gonna have parent. to do that. That's I part know. of the fun huh. of it, though. Like, and so to steer back into movies, I think it's fun because, like, you're gonna find those things in everything. It doesn't matter what. The Lion King, for Christ's sake, is like it has got like it, it. How do you explain that? Like, or do you just brush it off to your kids? No, that's something you need to talk about. Like, that's an important thing that happens in that movie. Like, <laughs> dealing with your parents' death. Son, 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 do you like Hamlet? <laughs> Oh, you don't. Well, you're gonna love the Lion King. <laughs> and right, we'll we'll see if everyone loves this episode. I just I just got in the midst just before we started recording. I I and you know me. You man, read I, something I, and you went, oh, there we I go. I don't I don't usually <laughs> hit send on a lot of things, but like when I see these people comment, I like, do it too, man. I, uh, I saw people uh, saying, like oh. I started like writing three words and then I immediately just I don't even hit backspace. I just hit back. Yeah. Just, and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, look, dude. I mean, um, well. When or oh, I won't let them watch Clone Wars because that there's killing in that. There's killing in everything. Look, dude, they. No, 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 no. This, this, this is a hypocrisy I find with parents, and I learned this in high school. Murder is and violence is perfectly fine. We love it if it's animated. If it's if it's animated, it's harmless. Like because I remember they wouldn't let us watch a movie on the bus. I can't remember what the movie was, but it was like PG or PG thirteen. Now keep in mind, we're seniors in high school. But what did they let us watch? Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh. And the, the Disney the Disney movie. Yeah. And I had never seen it. And I'm watching it and I actually like spoke up. I was like, this is insane. Like they're they're literally fighting in hell. <laughs> <laughs> 
but we can't watch Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I was Get hoping you I was hoping you would say, and we can't watch Tombstone. What's up with this? <laughs> well, bye. <laughs> all right, so a little off the rails, but it's, it's no. all right. Hey, man, hey. So let's get it. Let's. We always. I'm like right start, there with you. We like to start off first talking about the uh, the box office. And look, it's January, so this is kind of a a, re- a rest and recovery phase for the box office in some ways. Um, but I, hey, I wait, was, wait, wait a minute. What 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 what's what's your name, bud? Is that was this rhetorical? No, 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 no. What's your name? I don't think we've introduced ourselves. Well, we're on two. <laughs> How many episodes Dude, have like, we done at this point? This could be somebody's first episode. You don't know. Like, if you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'd love to see him take it. If you look at the podcast art, it says it. If you look at... Oh, it does, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Look at the art, man. Well, well, welcome to Larry King Live. How are you? (laughs) Jesus. Well, I'm I'm William Rankin. He's Charlie Stabile. We talk about movies. Uh, How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... And what we like to do on on screeners and dailies, of course, like one of the things we like to do is kind of jump in there and talk about um, uh, what's going on, sort of in the, the the current day with with movies in terms of like box office. We like to dive into box office because it usually can lead into some good conversation. January is not typically a fantastic month for movies. It just isn't. Like I, I can't really say anymore. September isn't because there's more and more thing creeping into. It's the September. same month. It's September and August are kind of becoming this sleeper ground for like, you know, we're not sure. So we're going to put it here. January is still kind of a dump month. Like it it really is. Um, And when you look at what was number one, Jumanji. Jumanji. On its fourth weekend. Yeah. I mean, pretty incredible. I mean, like it's uh, and I think it only has one more market to go and that's Japan. Which is really good. It's at a 283 domestic. Yeah. 283. I never thought it would make that money. Number two is the post. The post got its nationwide expansion and went to eighteen six. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people still think that's like a heavy Oscar favor for Best Picture. I just don't see it happening. Like it just it didn't get anything at the Globes. No, and I just it just doesn't seem like it's got enough like I, I, enough push behind it. I've heard overall it's a good solid movie, and that's about all I've heard in terms of praise for it. I haven't heard anything really beyond that. Like oh, Spielberg's done it again. Ugh. He's done it again. It's a tour de force. Yeah, I have nothing like that. Um, third place, not to it actually outpaced the forecast was the commuter with Liam Neeson. Uh, came in third. His quote unquote final action movie. Right. Well, he may not be doing any more movies for a bit after. I I know. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get th- and and that's how we're gonna end the show i think but uh but yeah we can save him for later yeah that was that was uh not not too intelligent on his part number four was insidious the last key this the franchise that just keeps on going my god and now it's with bob shay's wife just as the star yeah the chick from there's something about mary yeah the next door neighbor of mary's she is just the star now it's just oh my god Do you know how much that franchise is made overall worldwide Oh, I'm sure it's a monstrous number. Just take, right? a, take a stab. Just throw a number. Like the whole, the whole, the whole franchise. Yeah, it's um, I want to say nine hundred million. Okay, little high. Four sixty. Not bad though. Not four sixty. Four sixty is a big number for a horror franchise. Yeah, 
Well, they make those movies on budgets. Yeah, and it's, and, and it's Blumhouse and, or Bloom. Or do you say Blumhouse or Blumhouse? What do you like to say? I used to say. Well, I used to say Blumhouse. I think, but I think it's Blumhouse. Okay. I think it's Blumhouse. They're so mm-hmm. smart. They are. Brilliant. Well, I want to talk about them a little later because I, I posted what my top five was on Twitter, and I actually had to bump one of them because I had just I. The very next night, I watched a Blumhouse movie from the, uh, this year, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, well, God so dang. It's like, well, God dang. Well, it just shocks me so much because uh, when they first started, I thought they were just awful. Yeah. You know, like, they did this the most bargain basement, bottom-of-the-barrel type bar movies. And over the last couple of years, I mean, they've really become, like, a, a real player. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, they really have, mm-hmm. man. I mean, like, they... They're... They saved Shyamalan. They, they, what I love about them is that they know exactly what they are. They know exactly what their wheelhouse is and they stick to it. And it's mm-hmm. really, and that's, that's awesome nowadays because, you know, we've talked about like there, there, there seems to be only two movies made nowadays. And well, quite frankly, they're making one that isn't one of those two, which is great. It's really cool to see. Um, here's one, like I, you know, of course, uh, um, with all the talk of Last Jedi, like, The Greatest Showman is still in the top five. It is actually, it, it did not have an awesome opening, but it actually came, it picked up speed from weeks two onward. It's actually, uh-huh. like, it's, it's you know, that phrase that you don't toss around often, it actually has legs. And it's really picked up a lot of momentum. It didn't really do spectacular at the Globes, to be honest. Like, it didn't win... You know, at least with, I mean, I, I think it won, it won song. I remember it definitely won song, but like Jackman didn't win, but still like, and it's pretty impressive that the movie's, po- like it's a very positive movie, but it's great that it's, it's picked up and kept that momentum. Um, as opposed to, of course, Last Jedi, which, you know, um, still continues to kind of plummet. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it lost around 1100 theaters uh, for this holiday weekend. And so, really? yeah. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, you know it's. Well, we've we've been we've done. I think we've we've kind of covered it ad nauseum on some of these shows, but um, these recent ones. But uh, another one that still did uh, pretty well, you know, in seventh was of course Paddington Two. You know, I just want to throw that one out there for you. And the only reason that's significant is because remember it was a, that was a Weinstein movie, and they just were like they unloaded it as quickly as they could so it wouldn't fall into the bankruptcy hearing. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, the only other one I wanted to mention, just because there was a lot of complaining about the marketing for it, was uh, Proud Mary. Uh, yeah. It came in with just about, like, for a three-day, it only did about 12. I think it was expected to maybe go, it, uh, its ceiling was around 12 for the, the entire holiday weekend. And, I mean, I, I, to a degree, I get it. Like, the previews for it didn't really show much of anything at all with it. I heard there were things about screenings that were shut down ahead of Friday for the movie, but I always still come back to, and it's what we're going to segue into. It's January. The, the um, That movie looked like a January movie, which unfortunately is, you know, subpar at best. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not, I wasn't too shocked when I saw that it came in only at around 10. You know, it just really wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, did you see anything on it? Uh, on Proud Mary? No. Yeah, it's... No, I, I've, I, don't, I only knew of the movie's existence yesterday. Yeah. So that goes into your marketing thing, which I mean, like I, people are very quick to hit on that, and it's like Proud Mary, just because it it yeah it does. I forgot. I'm I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Um, for, uh, I'm blanking on her name. I cannot remember what it is. But um, I know that star of the movie. Yeah, I'm forgetting her name 
or off the top of my head. But um, I know there's a lot of talk about because it's it's female, it's African American. It's like, well, what's the, why is it getting shortchanged? Uh, there have been a lot of movies in January that get shortchanged for marketing. They kind of just get dropped out there because the studios sure. like, we really don't know what else to do with it. We don't like they haven't put they quite frankly they may not have budget towards it. And they just let it go out there. And you know what? Some of those movies find an audience, and they actually do quite well. So it's one of those movies that I wouldn't be surprised that, like, over its entire run, it does okay. You know, I know that $10 million isn't spectacular, but still. You're talking about Taraji P. Henson, right? Thank you. That's the one. Yes. She mm-hmm. is the star of it. Yes. And, I mean, I'm not, the premise seems somewhat interesting. The budget's although... $14 million. That movie's going to be fine. Yeah. I, I think some... I, I don't know. I guess like more and more like the way that movie marketing has evolved, you know, since we were kids and it was just a trailer and a TV spot and that was it. You know, it's it's changed to where like the saturation for it is it's everywhere and if we don't see a movie that's everywhere in terms of marketing, we're like, "Well, hey, hey, hey. What's the problem here?" It's like, "Well, there there may not be one. It just it may be a movie that they didn't have much of a marketing budget towards cuz again, <laughs> I mean, it's a January movie. Like I hate to say that, but th- there there is a reason this month carries mostly either low budget action movies or you know kind of best of luck horror movies because <laughs> that's yeah that's that's typically what, what I think of is the best of luck. Be just oh, let's see what it does. Oh nothing. Oh. So I wanted to do this because you and I are both fascinating. We always like to kind of break down like when it comes to months and like what what outperforms in a month compared to you know another month in comparison, but with January, and I wanted to, when I looked this up, what I wanted to eliminate, I'm not count. I'm not going to mention, like, I've ones that actually debuted in December, but went wide in January. I don't think that's necessarily fair. I'm talking about pure January movies. Like, they had nothing, uh-huh. and they came out in January, and that was it. Any, I, like, I mean, this is really throwing a dart in the dark. Would you happen to like throw anything out there? What would be the number one? And again, I'm not going to count American Sniper because that's technically number one, but I'm not going to count that one necessarily because it actually debuted in December 1st. But if just a pure January release, what would you think would be number one overall? In terms of a box office? Opening. Opening. It's the, it's the, um, it's the highest opening for. Highest opening in a, in a January? Yeah. Um, if, I mean,. This is a shot in the dark, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to guess it's it's split. Is it split? Split is close. Split is very close. This is Ride Along. Ride Along actually came out. In Ride Along, the first one. Yes. Yeah. 40, that movie was big. One million forty-one. It's a big it's number. Pretty big. Um, just real <laughs> quick behind it, Kung Fu Panda three, and that's isn't that hilarious. They dumped that last year. They did. It's very, very strange. Almost to the point where I forgot it existed because they put it out in January. One that I'm shocked is still this high after all these years is Cloverfield. Uh-huh. Number four at uh-huh. forty million. Split is right behind it. Like it's like they're both at forty. Um, I think it's like forty thousand more for Cloverfield over Split. Number um, behind that is Taken Three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I contributed to that, so I'm sorry. Ride Along 2 is actually in the top 10 still. It's not too bad, and I ended up with 35. I'm trying to remember. Lone Survivor, was that a December? Yeah, it was. It came out Christmas Day, so I, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not counting that one. Like I said, but anyway, I thought that was fascinating. 
because the guy like I was interested in it because of the commuter. Because I think like they, I, I think studios are wise. It's Liam Neeson dropping a Liam Neeson movie in January is usually a pretty good move for him. Sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean the bed the I mean the the one you always got to go back to first is Taken. Right, coming out in January of '09. They did Taken Three and Fifteen. They dropped that in there. They did the they dropped the Gray in there. Um, and of course, most recently they did the Commuter, which I thought was you know I mean I. I'll be honest, like, I, I loved when people try to compare it to Taken, like, in terms of, like, it looks as good as Taken. I'm like, its trailer isn't even in the same ballpark as the Taken trailer, so it, I... I does, yeah, it doesn't look as good as nonstop. No, 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 no. no. It, it just looks like... it looks. Yeah. I, uh... The other one I was thinking about because I was was the gray. I was thinking about how the gray ended up, and I was like, gray did okay. I remember like it was one of those that um, I don't remember a ton of people saying like it. They they loved it. Again, like it, it's one of those that's like uh, it's not quite taken, but it's okay. I like it. Yeah, I like I, it. I like it quite a lot actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, like, dude. I mean, I. I that's why. You know, I'm interested to see if if Liam Neeson's not going to do you know these types of movies. I'll be curious to see what he pops out in, in terms of like you know his next kind of. <laughs> It'll be an apology letter. Yeah, maybe that. That's what it is. <laughs> so, um, oh. transitioning out of January movies. Now that we're in 2018, and we're also looking at um, you know, it's it's you know award seasons coming up. This doesn't necessarily tie into it with the Oscars, but. I know I didn't. I it's just because I have two kids now. It is hard to get to the theater, so I didn't. I did not sure. see nearly my output. Or I didn't have the output I normally would for, uh, for for movies during the year. But you have. What is your top five of 2017, Charles? Well, before I give a top five, I have to say like there's certain movies that I haven't seen, and you know. So if you do, if you give a top five, and there's these movies happen to be missing, people sit, like tend to get upset. And it's like, no, it's simply because I just haven't seen them. And like so I just want to throw out... Like Flubber 3? What? Flubber 3? Yeah. Fl- was there a Flubber 2? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't seen The Post, and I haven't seen uh, Phantom Thread. So, <clears throat> leaving that out there. Um, honorable mentions, I have to throw these out because it was, it was hard not to put these in the top five. Uh, I, I, would, I would put Split in, uh, in an honorable mention. I love that movie. And it'll be interesting next year because it'll be another January release where the sequel to that movie is going to come out, and who and that's going to be a joint venture between Disney and Universal, I believe. So like that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But also, um, I Tanya, I loved it. Also, uh, this is going to be weird, but a superhero movie actually made my my little list here of uh, <clears throat> of the special notices. But Spider Man Homecoming, I really really dug that movie, uh, and I absolutely didn't think i was going to and finally this was in my top five and then i had to bump it but um call me by your name a movie that i really didn't have any interest whatsoever in seeing and i ended up really really enjoying it now outside of that i'm curious i'm curious where that ends up come oscar time i really am i really am. well i mean here's here's the problem with it we've seen this movie before yeah you know and we've it's nothing new but it's very well shot i mean it's it's i i couldn't get over how how 
how beautiful the movie looked. I mean, I believe it takes place in uh, Italy. It looked like where summer vacations looking. And you know, even when the movie would drag in certain spots, like I, I just loved just looking at it. And yes, and the performances are amazing. And finally, Army Hammer does a, a good job in a movie that isn't The Social Network. So, <laughs> yeah, because I've always liked him, but, yeah. but he just can't, he, he can never find his footing. Um, but no, my top five uh, from in order from, I guess, worst to best. I don't know how how to word this, but these these are uh, these are my five. Number five, I have to go with the Blumhouse film. I just saw it the other day. Happy Death Day. Loved this movie. Uh, it's basically Groundhog Day, but it's a slasher movie. And it, I've, it's one of the most fun, fun experiences I had watching a movie from 2017. Just a lot of fun. Number four, Disaster Artist. Now, what happens with Franco over the next couple of weeks leading up to the uh, Oscar nominations? Who knows? But as it stands now, uh, he's amazing in this movie. He's really good. And I'm not usually too keen on nominating a guy who, who is just basically doing an impersonation of another guy. And I still kind of feel that way here. But Franco really shows an interesting range with it. Number three, and here's a controversial choice, but the hell with it. Last Jedi. I love, I love Star Wars Last Jedi. I've only seen it once, and I will see it tons and tons of times once it hits video. But uh, that is definitely my number three. And my, here's my top two. And this is this was tough because these were, it was no question to me what my two favorite movies were this year, and uh, it was just a matter of figuring out which one I liked more. But I, but here's the way I'll do it. Number two, I have to say it's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Love this movie. Once again, it was another one I just wasn't expecting anything out of, and and it was such a surprise. And the cast, it's great to see Sam Rockwell, and when he won the Golden Globe, it was incredible. Then he dropped the F-bomb on SNL, and he's probably never going to be invited back. <laughs> but he, he's had an amazing couple of weeks, and it's great because I've always liked Sam Rockwell. And my number one, the best film of the year uh, for me is Far and Away. It's Get Out. I, it just, it's, it, I, and that was, uh, I don't know, was, I don't think that was January. I think that was February of last year. And I think a special mention should be made of that, too, because usually, typically with these movies that get nominated for all these awards and Best Picture... Usually, movies that come out in the first half of the year tend to be left out. And uh, I remember thinking that once I saw the movie that I was, uh, this probably won't be remembered come award season. But you know, it had all it had almost all the nominations that you would want for it. And um, basically, at the Golden Globes, I believe three billboards won Best Picture for drama, and Get Out did not win for comedy or musical, <laughs> but uh, it lost to Lady Bird, which I. Saw saw lady bird too i liked it but uh it's it's not i i wouldn't even put that in my top 10 for the year it's the same old story nonsense uh it's in 10 years people aren't going to be talking about lady bird they'll be talking about get out so yeah that's that's my top five nice nice yeah Ebbing, missouri like took a beating like from a lot of people after the globes i think that's very interesting yeah i i, I saw it on twitter where you know they were like how is this the best it's basically getting the same treatment that boyhood got yeah i i thought it was fascinating that was like people were all down on the subject matter and i was like okay like i mean i don't know i i i just kind of had a i really had a head it was a head scratcher for me i was like i get it so it's the 
I think it had to do. Are a lot we going into spoiler territory? A, a little bit. I'm not. So that's, I had, okay. a little, had a lot to do with like with Sam Rockwell because I know I know basically his art in the movie, and I think right. it's the fact that the way he starts off, which is you know about as bad as you can be, you know, in a lot of ways, um, and then how kind of finds this you know change you know by the end of the movie that I don't think people were. I, I guess people weren't ready for it or whatever. I don't know. Like I was kind of shocked because. The movie to me just looked like it hit on hit every nerve the right way, just in terms of the trailers and everything for me. Like I, I can't wait to see the movie. Like I absolutely love what it stands for. But yeah, it was just fascinating. But I think a lot of that too, though, were people and understandably so pissed that yeah that Get Out didn't win. And I was like, dude, I get it, I get it. But at the same time, like you got to blame the fact that it was thrown into a BS category. I mean, whoever. Well, it's it's typical. I mean, best picture comedy musical I've been saying for years needs to go away. It's garbage. It's just an excuse to nominate more movies, therefore generate more revenue at the box office for people that you know think, oh, this must be a good movie. It's up for best picture. I'm like, yeah, so are nine other movies. Right. And uh, you know, best pick comedy musical. It's like it's not. A, I'm sorry. Like there are some people that are trying to say that it's a black comedy, even though that's that even that sounds racist. <laughs> but it's not. It's not a black comedy. It's actually terrifying. Yeah, it, yeah, and this I, is coming from this is coming from a white dude. Yeah. The opening five minutes scared the hell out of me, and and the movie just it's just constant unnerving. You know, it's just tension the entire way, and you don't really know where it's going. And and I will say it it has probably it's kind of amazing. It has for being my favorite film of the year. It has the most unbelievable on board or off board moment you could think of, and for some reason I get on board. You know, when they reveal finally what the hell's going on in that town, it's like, what? But outside of that, no, it's great. But it's not a comedy or a musical. And, and the other thing, too, is if it's a musical, like any other kind of movie, it's almost guaranteed to get a Best Picture nomination at the Globes. I think I think the Producers was nominated for Best Picture Comedy oh, or Musical. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, like, yeah. Schwarzenegger like, was just because it's a musical. Junior. I mean, yes, he was. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's and no I, offense to him, but it's like, no, 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 no. Like Schwarzenegger, I, I, I will defend his acting. I think he can be yeah. a great actor if he really tries. Unfortunately, the only movie he was ever nominated for is just an absolute piece of crap, like <laughs> Junior. Like Junior is an awful movie all the way around. And you know that should have been a slam dunk. Not to go off topic, but you're reteaming him with Ivan Reitman, who he did Twins with Danny DeVito with, which is also another reteaming, and Kindergarten Cop. You know, it's like those are two great movies, and then they they do Junior, and it's just Jesus, and and that f- fell into that whole oh he has to learn to be a better father by being a blank, you know, by being Santa Claus, by being a nanny, no, just by having the child, you know, it's <laughs> like that was just a '90s trope. No one knew what the hell a dad was in the early '90s. <laughs> they knew how to get even with yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, <that>? like like <laughs> Robin Williams has to learn. Robin Williams had to learn two movies in a row. He had to learn how to do it by being an old nanny. And by being Peter Pan. <laughs> Man. We can talk about this sometime, but I've noticed it more and more as the years have gone by. I'm like, all these movies are the same. You know, even though I like them, it's just like, they're just, these, these dads are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, the Golden Globes, is, it's just a travesty. And La- Lady Bird, I, I really don't get it, man, because, you know, I was really excited to see it because of Laurie Metcalf. You know, if she's, you know, from Roseanne and her, her small bit parts in movies like Uncle Buck or Scream 2. And she never really became a movie star. And, you know, when I heard she was nominated, I was like, oh, I have to see this. 
she barely does anything in this movie. She's, she's maybe got like 10 or 15 minutes of screen time. It's nothing special. I'm serious. It's yeah. nothing special. I've, and I've, and I like Saoirse, I, I think that's how you say it, Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. I mean, she's been great since she was a child. But here's the real problem with Lady Bird is she is such an unlikable character. Um, even by a teenager's standpoint. I remember she calls she calls one character pretentious, you know, R word. Yeah. And I actually yelled at the screen, you want to be called Ladybird? <laughs> and you're calling someone else pretentious? Give me a break. So it, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand the love for it. I, it, it, but it is good, but it's no get out. The it's other, no get out. I was, th- I was thinking about your, um, your nineties thing with dads and honey, I shrunk the kids. I think is one of the most guilty of it too. It's got two dads that are not very good. Like, not very good dad, especially especially Frank. The next isn't it Frank, the next door neighbor? Between us, Frank. Yeah, who's the, who's the next door neighbor? What's his name? Who's the next Big door Russ neighbor? Big Russ Thompson. Big Russ Thompson. I don't want to call him Frank. Whatever. Frank. Frank Thompson. <laughs> how, how, how the hell are you? <laughs> no, but like even Zelensky, like they're not good. Yeah. They're not really their dads. Like when I mean by their, well, like they're not there for their kids in a lot of ways. Well, it's cool because, and I think for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids' case, Zelensky actually learns to be a better husband, too. Because it's kind of like unwritten. and uns- it, has, it isn't mentioned much in the movie, but his wife just walked out on him like two days earlier. And she comes back the day that he shrinks the kids. And, it's, and there's this whole like family dynamic thing going on, which is barely touched upon. But you're right. And then there's Big Russ Thompson wants his kid to be like him yeah it's it was just such a common thing and it's it's so annoying because it just makes the men just look stupid and and like it does and incompetent and like i remember uh having these conversations with with people and finding out later that it was actually in the original script was that in mrs doubtfire daniel hillard was supposed to get back with miranda and it's like even as a kid that was that was the furthest thing from my mind when i used to watch that movie because it does, it's not even remotely what the movie's about. Yeah, he's he's not trying to get her back. He's trying to figure out what he did wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then there's. T- I love the ending. I loved that. I always love the ending, of Mrs. Doubtfire. Always love. It's the perfect. Ending. It's yeah. the best ending. Yeah, and it's it is it is a wonderful monologue too. Um, yeah, especially if you're a child of, of divorce and. Yeah, you know, there's Tim Allen. Just, <laughs> right. Santa Claus. Like that's one of the movies, though. That it, it honestly, I enjoy it a little bit less every time I watch it. Unfortunately, <laughs> it, it sucks. Like yeah. the first twenty minutes, thirty minutes are. I really think that movie is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And then it becomes a kids' movie. I talk about this with Michael sometimes, and I'm like, "Do you?" <laughs> he's like, "What do you mean? You don't? You think it becomes a kids' movie?" And I'm like, "Do you remember when the elves deploy ELFS?" <laughs> Elves as an acronym, you know, to, you know, and they fly and break Santa out of prison with tinsel. And then they dance to ZZ Top. (laughs) (laughs) The movie's terrible after a certain point. (laughs) But, um, yeah. And, and he, and Santa, you know, the Santa Claus movies actually as a whole, they all do this with Tim Allen, but it's, it's really just that, that, that first batch of nineties movies that that i can recall and i'm sure there are more that i i can't think of at the moment but getting even with dad there's another one yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah man 
Yeah, it's just for some reason, like like early '90s uh, Hollywood just had a real dad problem. And Spielberg, Jurassic Park, I, I got to learn to be a better dad by uh, keeping kids from being eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> 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 it just gets ridiculous because <laughs> that's what that movie's about i mean i love jurassic park but it's really just about a guy who, who has to learn to you know to be a parent <laughs> i'm gonna learn how to be a better dad by flying my crop dusting plane or flying an f-18 into a yes. ship yeah yeah it's like i need i need to find meaning you know when some people need to find meaning it just means oh you just need to you know get into a better line of work or or, or you need to move to a different location I really am counting on that alien invasion, it, and uh, I can reckon <laughs> fly my crop duster plane up into it, and my kids will love me forever. Of course, I'll be dead. I love but, it. We're, we're thinking about the alternate ending. We're not even doing. That's what I I, I forget that. Oh right. Oh Jesus, you're right. I did the same thing. One of the worst alternate endings ever. <laughs> All right, oh so, man, you're sorry. No, 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 no. I want you to dig into this Wahlberg thing because you brought it up. And it's a good point to make because it was only a matter of time before, you know, it got, he got a little bit exposed and he finally did. Well, yeah, I used to really like Mark Wahlberg, um, like in, I guess in the early two thousands. And then I started to slowly notice that, um, he did the same thing in every movie. And, and I usually don't have a problem with that, but I mean, literally the same thing. And, you know, this, Will Smith does it too, but Will Smith's charming. You know, or George Clooney, uh, but Wahlberg. Like, I started to really turn on him in the mid two thousands, and it seems like people are finally starting to come around <laughs> because this stuff that he pulled over all the money in the world. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the thing that everyone's talking about. Which, yes, this absolutely has to be mentioned. He had it in his contract that if they were going to do reshoots, then he would have to be paid one point five million dollars. That's actually a really smart business decision on his part. Michelle Williams, who will apparently work for pennies didn't have any such thing in her contract they go back and they do the reshoots and it, it, it comes out that mark Wahlberg profited 1.5 million for what basically i think amounted to a week week and a half's worth of filming nine days nine days nine days he got a million and a half and he refused to go out there and do it unless he got the million and a half and a lot of people were upset about this and i agree and disagree at the same time as much as i really like Michelle Williams as an actress and not Mark Wahlberg. This is the fundamental difference between what a movie star is and what an actor is. You want to know the uh, Mark Wahlberg. Here's a crazy little tidbit attack onto that because I think you're on the, I understand where you're going. Do you know who represents Mark Wahlberg? Is it Michelle Williams's agent? <laughs> <laughs> William Morris represents both of them. Okay. There you and, go. And I was like, god, that's bad. That's That's really awful. bad. <laughs> I, see, I didn't know that. Isn't okay, that, 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 that kind of that kind of changes it a little bit. Oh my god! Yeah, that's that's that that's terrible. And yeah, they should definitely be punished for that. But also, I I wrote this on Facebook and got a lot of crap for it. <laughs> but you know, There's I, a and, and, you know, well, you know when you <laughs> you know when you're about to say something that you know is going to cause a problem, you have to preface it with like basically four paragraphs worth of this is the way i really think which is the way that you all think and you all should love me and then you drop the bomb on them you know so it was like yeah i can't remember the last time someone came up to me and said hey you want to go see the new michelle williams movie 
And that's basically the argument that I use for why Mark Wahlberg should have gotten the money and she didn't. I mean, he's a big movie star. But it doesn't necessarily, it does, it's not right on a moral level. It's right on a financial capitalistic type level. Now, that's what everyone has a problem with. And I absolutely uh, agree to a point that, yeah, Mark Wahlberg is just greedy. But it's what he also had in the contract that really bothers me, like full on 100%. And I'm only very barely hearing it mentioned is that um, he, he didn't want to do the reshoots if Christopher Plummer. But it has it had something to do with Christopher Plummer. He wanted the 1.5 million if the reshoots like definitely included Christopher Plummer because Christopher Plummer, I believe, was the first actor that they had in mind for the role. But you know, it's capitalism. They they wanted somebody more marketable. Right. Kevin Spacey. It was a different time. But he, Mark Wahlberg, was able to dictate what he could make in the movie, whether or not they used Christopher Plummer. Basically, he didn't want to work with Christopher Plummer, is what it sounded like, and he would get to approve it. And this what is what a, I had what a, a real feud. problem. With. Where where is this yeah. coming from? That's what I Where know. where did this come from? Exactly. I'm like, you know, you're gonna mess with Edelweiss? Oh, oh, that's a bad idea. He's yeah, I, I just don't understand where this came from. Like, uh, Christopher Plummer is uh, is he's like the Larry Zbysko of of the movie world. He is a living legend. He has been around for decades, and Mark Wahlberg has a problem working with him. It, uh, imagine being a, an actor the level of Christopher Plummer. And your career and your next movie is being dictated by Mark Wahlberg, who was once accused of murder. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, yeah. It just—it's one of those slimy things that about him that I just can't stand. And and you've heard this kind of stuff over the years. Most people seem to like to ignore it because he has a cute little show on basic cable called Wahlburgers, you know. But <clears throat> a lot of people are <laughs> sorry. That's just. The things that people make excuses for when they defend these actors, as opposed to oh, Tom Cruise, and it's like, what has he really done? You know, I mean, yeah, the Scientology thing's pretty dumb, but what's he actually done? You know, I, I, yeah, he's been accused of things, but like Mark Wahlberg, like look at this stuff, look at the stuff that's been proven, yeah. and he's finally getting called out on it, and I, I'm just in heaven over it, and I want to, I really want to see the movie. Not because of him. Of course, I also love it, too, because at the Golden Globes, of the three lead performers in the movie, the only one who didn't get nominated was Mark Wahlberg. And yet he can dictate this kind of stuff? Give me a break. Yeah. The part that, when, it, when I go through the timeline of it, the, the thing that bothers me, if anything about it, is the fact that it's like, you knew what was, you knew the reason why there, this wasn't reshoots because, oh, we screwed up with the movie. We screwed up. <laughs> right. Like, this is a different circumstance. This is an extenuating circumstance. And everybody else is basically like, yep, we'll do it for whatever. They don't care. They, they, they took the money off the table because they believed in doing the right thing. Uh, by is the this movie. an agent issue? I, well, it's. That's, do you think? Well, it definitely sounds. I mean, I, I bet you he's got. I mean, he's got top dog agents that are like going to find a way to. And I mean, look, they. They had those guys over a barrel. Like, of course, like they would in, they would enforce that one point five mil. I mean, I I understand from what they do in the cutthroat kind of. I mean, look, I've seen Jerry Maguire, man. I understand the beginning of the movie, but that's why, like, I that's what's good about the that's good about the journey that that Tom Cruise goes through in that in that flick. But the thing that's that kind of makes me laugh is like this hap this happens all the time. Like, 
he takes the 1.5 mil. Nobody knows about it. But once it blows up, it's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to give it all to the charity in the name of Michelle Williams. And it's like, so if we never would have found out, nothing would have happened to that money. You just would have kept it. So the only reason you did it was because you got found out and you were getting some bad pub. As SNL put it on Saturday, it took six days of public shaming to get him to do it. And that's, and that's exactly what it was. So, no, I don't, I don't commend him for it at all. It's, um, yeah, I mean, that's the part that really is just, just shady to me about it. It's like... You, well, you, go ahead, go ahead. Go, oh, I was just going to say, what I want to know is if he had refused to do the reshoots, is the movie just canceled? Yeah, that's a good point. Is it gone? Well, yeah. Like, well, let's. We got to remember. Look at the director. It's Ridley Scott. He can give you eight editions of a movie, and, and it's brilliant. So I'm sure he could have. Fi- they would have figured out something. I bet you they could have figured out something. I mean, is Even, the husband really important in this story? Um, Wahlberg's got the least amount of time in the movie. Is that right or not? Right, because it's a. It's about the daughter trying okay. to get her father to pay the ransom. Right. Right. So yeah. Like, so I. I I don't know. They probably do. I mean, they could digital it. They could do. There's so many things they can do nowadays that, you know, you couldn't do, you know, you know, a decade or so ago or even five years ago, maybe. I mean, like, there are definitely things they can do if they had to. And again, like, we know that um, with with when it comes to Ridley Scott, like, don't worry, you'll get your you'll get another edition down the road. That'll clarify it, I guess. But I want the Kevin Spacey edition. It's, you know, man, I mean. Who's I bet we that? get it in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have an, a, a debate about it's the best, one of the best performances we've ever seen in our entire life. Probably. You know what I mean? Like it's That's how these things work. Yeah. I mean, Tanya Harding now is like kind of like a cult hero in a weird right. way. After, like, I gr- growing up after what happened to her, or happened to Nancy Kerrigan, she was like the worst person on the planet. Right. And then she like, was OJ before OJ. Yeah, and then the thirty for thirty, and then obviously I Tanya. Like things have changed, you know. Took twenty years, just about the n- number of years that you said. So, wasn't that know. the old rule? What's what's the difference between comedy and tragedy? It's like tw- twenty years, twenty five years, it's something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that something. It might that might be a South Park thing now that I think of it. But yeah, that's basically what it is. And, and Tanya Harding, and yeah, it's it is weird, and some people are are just kind of bashing her about it, and it's and this is another one of those like hypocritical type things. It's like, you know, uh, whether or not she knew or had anything to do with it, and and you know that Nancy Kerrigan's a victim of abuse, and, and you're just like, you know, Tanya Harding was abused more than any of them, yeah, and nobody really yeah. seems to care, yeah, about that. So, yeah, and, and that movie's great. It really is, and and uh, I think it's fair, and you know, and it also doesn't help. It doesn't help the case of, and maybe, you know what? I don't think she cares, but it doesn't help Nancy Kerrigan's case that she basically almost has nothing to do with any of this stuff. Like she didn't take part in the Thirty for Thirty, she didn't really have any input in the I Tanya movie, and there was a, I think there was a special on Dateline last week because I saw it, but I don't remember if it was Dateline or not. But they did a two-hour thing where they interviewed Tanya Harding, and they used archive interviews with Nancy Kerrigan. So she just wants nothing to do with it. I kind of don't blame her because one thing that 30 for 30 kind of showed, like, or it alluded to, was that she, uh, Nancy Kerrigan had the cloud of it hanging over even her, even her skating the whole time. And so 
to the point where the judges almost don't want to give her the gold. They don't want to because, you know, she's involved in all this weird scandal. Even though it's not her, she's just kind of the victim of the scandal. You know, and so I do love that one little comment she makes about I think was it uh, Oksana Bayul? Yeah, yeah, and she's like, "Oh my god, what's she gonna do? Cry again?" And I'm exactly. like, "Yeah, you're not as sweet of a princess <laughs> as you look." Yeah, I really like I I love that, and but I, uh, I kind of respect her for just like you know what, I'm just gonna kind of go over here. I'm not gonna, and because you know at the same time it's kind of nice now that we've kind of gotten older and we've seen the whole story it's nice to see tanya hardy kind of get hers get hers in a good way you know what i mean and well, absolutely she was banned and it doesn't have to have anything to do with nancy really you know right like, it's about her now, so in some ways i kind of like how that's turned out but i get it like it would be nice to hear that other side you never know man they could get them sitting down in a starbucks one day just staring at each other and then that'll be the next 30 for 30 Perfect. Well, like they did the uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to do? You know. Mm. Wrong. Podcast. I was up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> Wrong podcast. All right, man. Yeah. So uh, let's get out of here. What? Um. Let's talk about when did that come out? Because that's coming up. Uh, oh, wait a sec. Wait a sec. I thought you wanted to close with. Um. I thought you wanted to talk about Bright. Oh. One more time. God dang! I, for- <laughs> I forgot about. I'm not letting you off the hook. I forgot about it. Now you you made me remember. I just mentioned this. I know. 40 minutes ago. I was like, yeah, we can talk about right. Yeah, it's uh, it's terrible. Uh, oh. I thought it was... It, <laughs> well, you're not wrong. The, the one thing I can say, at least for the sequel, is that uh, David Ayer is going to write and direct it. That may do something better for it. This was bad. Um, and I get Well, it, Max man. Landis is accused of sexual assault now, so I don't think there's any choice in having him not write the movie. I just... I, I'm. I don't don't get me wrong, man. I've written stories where, like, I go back and I, I when I was when I was younger, and I look at them now, and I'm like, man, you're just cussing for the sake of cussing, you know? Like, you're just like, yeah, just turn. David Ayer? Well, no, I was uh, Landis in his script. Like, I oh, mean, Landis, like, yeah. I mean, and and so like I I understand, but then again, I I look at that, I'm like, yeah, I was 16 when I was writing that. I didn't write that for a for a major a major motion picture production, you know? So I I mean I. I don't understand the world. I don't get it. I don't understand how you can have all this orc stuff, but then have just like normal street gangs. And the Alamo. Don't forget the Alamo. I, just, I don't understand. All, I don't. I also had the, the in a, on a more macro level, what I found very difficult was to like anybody in the movie. I found it sure. very, very difficult to even Will Smith to, to find him likable. Like it, it would have been different to me. Like if he was the one guy, who believed like who who like wanted to kind of walk the line with having I love somebody I, this was from another podcast I heard him I was like yeah basically the Jackie Robinson of orcs cuz he's the first ever orc cop so the Jackie Robinson character <laughs> they're going to retire his badge number <laughs> but I was like you know if Will Smith should be the one guy who like believes that guy and like he wants to take the biggest dump on him for most of the movie I know and I just I I just found and I, even <laughs> Edgerton no, it's like, found I struggled to like him. Well, see, that's the problem. It's it's one of those things where it's it should have been a movie where there's a character that's very strange and um and like it, we don't really trust him, but we like the other guy. And if that guy likes the strange guy, then that means it's okay for us to also. And that's what that movie didn't do. You know, if if Will Smith had kind of uh, ingratiated himself better, the character with joe edgerton's more 
then I think we could have sympathized with Joel Edgerton quite a bit more because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's okay to like this guy. And instead it's just, what are you? Yeah. This seemed like an an attempt to kind of siphon off the game of Thrones type of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. Oh yeah. Can we do this? Can we do this? But not like, just full on fantasy, which would have been awesome to see Will Smith in just full on <laughs> Game of Thrones world. <laughs> What's that smell? <laughs> I can't wait to see him as the genie in Aladdin. I am pumped. Oh man, I, I... cannot wait to see how that thing goes. But... Now, is he going to do a voice, or is he going to be like computer animated? It's like, and it's gonna look like Will Smith. It's gonna be the genie with a mustache. That's a good question, because like, I, I'm not. Because that's I mean, what I don't know. I'm a sucker for those Sherlock Holmes movies. Like, I, I, I kind of dig them. I do. I really do. But I was like, I wonder, cause, and I watch them. I'm like, cause I didn't see King Arthur, so I don't know if that's if if it's if Aladdin is supposed to be more of that. But it's like, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, wonder what they're gonna do with Smith. Are they going to CGM or are they just gonna? turn them loose like fresh print style you know i'm just kidding i have i don't think they're gonna do that <laughs> well they might i was thinking about that you know you just keep doing that loud exaggerated way of speaking you know because i mean aladdin like the, the the cartoon at least i mean that's just robin williams's personality and then like the character's drawn basically like the way we would imagine robin williams to be yeah yeah. So, and Will Smith. I mean, he's he's nowhere near the level of of a Robin Williams, at least in terms of a manic comedic ability. But he has he's he has a similar way of of doing it. You know what I mean? That's why it doesn't seem like such a far out idea that he would be the genie. I just hope that somebody is lying in the movie. Somebody's not telling the truth, so that Will Smith can Stop tell it. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the best parts of, of the cartoon are when Robin Williams impersonates other actors as the genie, which as a kid just went right over your head. Oh, yeah. You know, I think he did Peter Laurie at one point. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> you know, and it would be great if Will Smith just impersonated like maybe his own characters, and one of them was yes. the character from Concussion. <laughs> You know, like when he's telling, like, like maybe we, they could do it for the subplot where Aladdin's like lying to Jasmine about being a prince. Tell the truth, <laughs> dude. I, I, I would mark out if he makes a six degrees of separation joke. I'm like, oh, you did it. Have they announced any of the other cast members of that? Like, who's playing? Is there a Jafar in I this not story? Heard of Jafar, and I can't remember for the life of me who they cast as Aladdin. I do not remember. I think it's an unknown. Yeah. That's why. I if, think yeah, because if you're going to get a name, I mean, I'm, I'd be like, well, se- seems like something Dev Patel could do. But right. I, I think they're going to go with an unknown for that. Um, but Bright Man, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, it, I, I hate to. It's like whenever I say something's terrible, I'm thinking, like, I know somebody somewhere loves this. They love it. I know. 89% of the populace loves it, Well, Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I'm not trying to sound elitist or anything. I, I oh, just, come on. I think it's a. I just for me, it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. Okay, like I just, I don't know. I, I can't. I couldn't find. I tried to find a redeeming quality in it, and I just couldn't. Just because I just, I felt like it was a lot of rated R for the sake of being rated R. The movie is so arrogant that it does not want to explain like the world that it's in. It's just f you oh, audience. Deal with it. And the plot is none of our business. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, that the idea is awesome. 
The idea is cool, but the execution was I don't, completely I don't even know how you would execute it properly. Well, I mean, you could ground it Unless you did it as a TV show. Well, or... for, it needs to be... It, well, first off, voiceover or uh, text in the beginning, give Absolutely. us something to explain the world. What is this, George? Would help. And then maybe understand the world yourself as the creator before you let us into it. Because it sounds like you had a messy yeah. house and you invited company over and nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> they knew we were coming, right? <laughs> so. That's a great, that sounds like a Seinfeld episode that never happened. We keep getting invited over and it's always a mess. You know. <laughs> But I, I will say this, uh, one good, I think I've said it before, but if I, if I could pick one thing about Bright that I thought was really well done, I guess, or something that I, I think is admirable about the movie, it is one of the most watchable bad movies I've ever seen. I was never bored when I was watching. I was just confused. <laughs> and, 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 but I never like, oh, like, you know, sometimes when you get up to like go to the kitchen to get something, you'll pause the movie. Yeah. Well. There are some movies where I go, I'm not even going to pause it. I'm not going to give it the satisfaction. And you just <laughs> and you just get up and you make a whole five-course meal while the movie keeps playing. Um, I, I, Bright, I believe I paused because I was like, ah, oh, this is interesting. But it's just not good. So I can at least the movie had that going for it. Because the worst thing a movie can be, I believe, is boring. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I'm I'm there with you. I, I completely understand. Like there there can be bad movies that are completely watchable, understood. There's some you like a lot um, that are bad, uh, hands down. But yeah, you know, it's okay. we all have those. Yeah, of like, course. I, like, 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 I probably should admit this. I love the Cat in the Hat. That movie is god awful. <laughs> but man, like it really is. It's terrible. But I love it. <laughs> I could watch that movie right now, man, and just uh, and just be in it, dude. Uh, <laughs> just be happy as hell. <laughs> Dust Till Dawn three, Hangman's Daughter. It's my jam. You did not see that. There's no way you've seen. No, that movie. I have not even seen that. I wouldn't give that a time of day. I'm after the second one. I was like, eh, I think this. Well, I remember the second one. The, I remember watching the second one on TV, and uh, the only reason I remember is because of who they said the stars were, and. Uh, it's you know because that movie's Robert Patrick, right? He's the star of the movie. But oh no no no, not according to the Post and Courier TV guide. The stars of the movie were some guy named Bruce Campbell, who I'd never heard of at the time, and Tiffany Amber Thiessen. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you remember, they're hard. They're in the movie for like a minute. Well, they're in they a movie killed. within the movie. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. And it's like it's like some guy just like scoured the page went. Oh, Saved by the Bell and Evil Dead. Yeah, that's what. Those are the stars. Those are good. I remember. Yeah. It, I don't know if I don't know if that site's still out there. I was such a From Dust Till Dawn fan, like back in the '90s, that like I went to like the GeoCities like fan sites for that movie, and somebody actually had the timeline of From Dust Till Dawn two like pre-production, like, and at one point, yeah, man, like it it had people coming back, and but each update like it got less and less awesome <laughs> to the point where it was like like at some point they said like oh yeah you're gonna see all right Clooney's not gonna be in the movie but they're gonna be in the bar and the tv's gonna be on they're gonna see the gecko brothers in a chase blah, oh blah, blah, jesus blah. well eventually like i i think they're barely mentioned in the movie is what ends up happening so i i definitely remember from dust hold on too just in terms of like the timeline of like oh man i wonder if Clooney and them are gonna be back for it yeah no yeah, man. Uh -huh. Would have been cool. Yeah, because yeah, I, I love that movie, too. I'm going to go work on The Peacemaker. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, because that's so much better. <laughs> I always remember that subtitle, too. It was because it's, it's one of those long titles. From Dust Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Monday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Third one, Hangman's Daughter, still can't get it. <laughs> so, not quite. And then there's, now there's the TV show, and I'm like, what is it? The, the, like, the one night at the bar stretched out over five seasons? Exactly. Just, that's what I wonder, too. I, I just don't. It's like um, like you 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 were the one that got me to watch it because if you're interested in it, I, I actually watched the pilot of the uh, Scream TV show just because I was curious. Because you know, remember you were talking about it, and I was very oh, I'm never gonna watch that. And I looked at it, and there is a line in the episode. First of all, I was I did not like it, but there is a line in the episode that I thought was very true. And because they try to do the whole meta thing. And I think you can tie from Dust Till Dawn into this, too, even though it's not quite a slasher movie. But a character in the TV show says that uh, you can never do a slasher show uh, as a television show because, you know, most slasher movies are 80 or 90 minutes. They burn bright and they burn fast. And that's exactly how I feel about it. And there is like a crop of these things that are coming up now. Yeah. Netflix even has, I think Netflix has a show called Slasher. And you know, there's the Scream show. Uh, there's there's another one. I can't I can't think of it. But like from dusk till dawn, it's like it's it's hard. Yeah. You know, like even zombie movies. Like like it was just announced today that Walking Dead somehow is getting uh, renewed for a ninth season. Wow. A ninth season. And I mean, I've seen almost every episode. This thing lost its its fun a long time ago. And I started thinking about back to like the old Romero films. And yeah, that like that's that's really how it should be done like in a comic book sense it makes sense it's like oh like what if we it was like one of those zombie movies that we love from the 80s but it never ended oh that sounds awesome yeah not really like when it's on screen yeah. it's just it's just no fun and especially when you when there's, it seems like there's no end in sight with that show because with a television show you have to have some kind of guidance some kind of endpoint that's that's in sight you know, like, oh, like, maybe they can figure out what's causing this whole thing. In a movie, they never had time to do that. Yeah. But in yeah. a TV show, it just seems like they're treading water. So, that, anyway, that's how I feel about From Dust Till Dawn. It's just, how can you maintain <laughs> that plot line for a certain amount of seasons? It's just the Gecko Brothers just kidnapping people and raping them and beating them. And then they have to become good guys for, like, a hot minute just to fight vampires. What a way to close out the podcast. We, we jumped all the way into – we jumped into – from Dustle Dawn here. So, good God. Good God Almighty. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. I, I, it really is. I've always loved that movie. Um, so, man, what, when did that come out? We're in June now of 86, right? <laughs> uh, let me have a look at the videotape here. Uh, yes. Yes, we are. So that means it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting episode. Good talking points because. It is a John Hughes movie that I think we 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 flesh it out nicely. It's a movie that is, gets a lot yes. of praise, maybe too much. Praise. Genuinely, I think generally considered to be his best uh, directed movie. Not so fast, even more friend. so than <laughs> even more so than Breakfast Club. Yeah, I mean that's that's the theme of our uh, that's the theme of this week's when did that come out? It's not so fast. There are some things with this movie that need to be addressed. Um, right. If I remember right, in that in that we, no no it's true okay uh, it's a you know not to bury the lead but it's a movie that I've always wrestled with yeah in fact in fact my dad had a moment it actually made me think of this episode my dad had a moment earlier tonight uh, that, that he was talking about the, that thing that happened in Hawaii yeah this will date this episode but that thing that happened in Hawaii 
and 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 when they described exactly what it was, Dad goes, "This is an exact quote from my father." He goes, that sounds like War Games. He goes, "That's the only other good movie that Matthew Broderick ever did." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Right on, Dad. I agree." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, Ferris Bueller. That'll be the next episode of that. Nice. All right. Well, um, well, guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up then. Um, definitely, please continue on uh, iTunes if you're able to, and if you haven't, drop us a rating and a review. We appreciate it. We're starting to get a few more listeners each time, which is awesome. Really good to hear because as uh, it only gets better as the year goes on. There's gonna be a lot, even more talking points. Get ready for Oscar time. Oh man, that'll be just a doozy. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, Can't wait, man. No, that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, we're still on Twitter at Real Change Pod, where you can yell at us or argue with us, agree with us, talk to us. Uh, there are a lot of ways to communicate. So we have that available to you as well. Um, I'm at William Rankin 83. I'm at CM underscore Staps. And we'll be coming at you again in a week with when did that come out? With Ferris Bueller's Day Off.